to the New Story Church podcast. The message you're about to enjoy was delivered live at New Story Church in downtown Los Angeles. For more information, check out newstorychurch.com or visit us any Sunday at LA Trade Tech College. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message. I am the true grapevine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit. He prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me, my words remain in you. You may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Uh, once again, welcome to New Story Church. Uh, my name is Tom. I, if we haven't yet, uh, if I haven't had the privilege of meeting you yet, I serve here as one of the pastors. And um, today, uh, and actually for the past few weeks, uh, we find ourselves as a church uh, through this traditional season called Lent. This has uh, traditionally been a season where the church at large, Capital C Church, not just New Story Church, but Capital C Church, uh, enters a season of reflection as well as restraint that leads up to Easter. Uh, and so during during this specific seven weeks or so, uh, roughly seven, six, seven weeks, uh, we've been uh, really just engaging on this journey with Jesus as he travels through, mostly through the city of Jerusalem, which is a city full of lots of opinions, lots of people, lots of opinions, just like our very own L.A., all right, our LA is full of people with lots of opinions, and uh, and during this journey, he's been offering these sort of uh, self descriptions of himself, and he always starts with these two words, "I am." Right, the self-descriptive I am statements. And today we're on the fifth I am statement. I uh, had a person recently ask me, so Pastor Tom, is this like a, um, is this like a Jesus selfie? Is that what's happening? Uh, yeah, sure. If you want to think of it as Jesus selfies, go for it. I, I, I get it. I love it. Uh, go social media. Whatever. Anyways, uh, and so having said that, we're going to jump right into it today. Uh, I'm going to invite our two friends, Jadon and his lovely fiance, Moran. Mariah, let's give him a big hand, okay? Jadon, you're a lucky man. I don't know what you did, but uh, 
All right, you, do, you done did well, okay? And so I've asked these two. We're going to go through a bunch of Old Testament scriptures, and rather than me just kind of reading them for you or even us reading together, I've asked Mariah and Jadon to kind of split the duty here and read for us these five Old Testament passages. So let's give them our attention. Psalms 88. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. Isaiah 5, 4 through 7. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? When I looked for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. Jeremiah 2, 21. Yet I planted you a choice vine, holy of pure seed. How then have you turned degenerate and become a wild vine? Ezekiel fifteen six through 8. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. As I have given the wood of the vine among the trees of the forest as fuel for the fire, so will I treat the people living in Jerusalem. I will set my face against them. And when I set my face against them, you will know that I am the Lord. I will make the land desolate because they have been unfaithful, declares the sovereign Lord. Hosea 10, 1 and 2. Israel is a luxuriant vine that yields its fruit. The more his fruit increased, the more altars he built. As his country improved, he improved his pillars. Their heart is false. Their heart is false. Now then, they must bear their guilt. The Lord will break down their altars and destroy their pillars. Amen. This is the word of God. Can we hear it for this lovely couple? Thank you, guys. So good. Jadon, you're still a lucky man. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, brother. Okay. All right. So what's going on here, right? I mean, what is happening right now? You just heard five Old Testament passages, one psalm, and four prophets, right? Four major prophets. And some of you are like, what, 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 what's happening right now? Pastor Tom, it's Sunday morning. I just had brunch. I didn't even have a decent cup of coffee. I can't, I can't process Ezekiel, right? I know. That's what some of you are thinking right now. Why this torture, right? Well, here's the deal, okay? Here's the deal. I get it. I totally get it. But if you and I want to understand today's Jesus I am statement, if you and I want to interpret uh, correctly his selfie, as it were, then everyone in this room, everyone watching online, we all need to have a certain baseline understanding of an Old Testament principle. Does that make sense? And as a matter of fact, the five scriptures that they chose, we could have chosen way more, uh, but we limited it to those five. Those five scriptures that we just shared with you, that we just heard read by our friends, uh, they all had a certain common thread, a certain common theme, and it was actually highlighted in boldface for you. So can anyone take a guess on what that common thread was throughout those five scriptures? What was it? I think I may have heard it, right? Well, it was a vine, right? A vine, right? In some way, shape, or form, uh, you saw in each of those scriptures uh, the word vine or vineyard or vine dresser in some translations, right? And, and that's exactly right. See, throughout the Old Testament, Israel was known as the vine. The vine, right? Uh, I, I think it was Mariah that read for us that last one uh, from the prophet Hosea, who actually literally uh, says very point blank, he, he said, Israel is a luxuriant, what's the word? Vine, exactly. 
You know, one Bible scholar who I appreciate very much, Dr. Edwin Blum put it this way, very short and succinct. He said, Israel was God's choice vine on which he lavished care and attention. He longed for fruit, that is God. God longed for fruit, but the vine, that is Israel, became degenerate and produced rotten fruit. See, the Old Testament is packed, if you think about it, right, if, you've, if you're someone that's been going to church for a while or maybe you're even is studying, maybe you're in school and you're just studying the Old Testament as an archaic piece of literature, then you would know, this is no surprise to you, then you would know that if you look throughout the Old Testament, all the Old Testament is, it's 39 books that basically describe this people Israel, the people of God, who kept on messing up. For 39 books in the Old Testament, it is the story after story, account after account, of how Israel was loved by God, provided for by God, cared for by God, but failed God over and over and over again. The vine, in other words, produced no fruit. And that's the baseline understanding that everyone here needs to understand. Israel is the vine, and were they a good vine or a bad vine? Bad vine. They keep producing bad fruit. And so with that in mind, with that understanding of context, Jesus now, in today's passage, steps onto the scene and listen to what he says. He says this. He says, John chapter 15, verse 1, I am. I am the true what? I am the true vine, and my father is the, my father's the gardener. I'm the true vine, guys, me, and my father is the gardener. Now, friends, I can't overstate this enough. What Jesus says in this particular time to this specific audience is totally mind-bending. In some sense, it's actually offensive, Because to those who understood, to those who were in the original crowd to whom Jesus is addressing, they understood the concept of Israel being the vine. In other words, Jesus isn't just describing himself as a piece of vegetation because it's some sort of cute little agricultural reference uh, that he's randomly using as an object lesson, right? Right? That's not what's happening here. That's the way that I was taught this passage back in Sunday school as a little kid, right? But that's actually not what's happening. There may be an element of that because it was an agricultural society, et cetera, et cetera. But no, 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 no. That's actually not the meat of what's happening. Everyone that he's addressing right now, they all understand that Israel was the Old Testament, that they were the vine, right? And so when Jesus says that he is the true vine... You and I have to understand, this is not a cute little allegory. This is a legitimate smackdown. This is a legitimate Jesus Christ smackdown. And Jesus is intentionally challenging his disciples in this moment, hey, hey, wake up. You need to think a new thought. There's a new sheriff in town. He's saying this. He's saying, guys, guys, listen, remember all those stories that your grandparents told you when you were a little girl, when you were a little boy? Remember all those stories they told you 
as they opened up the Torah, the first five books of the Old Testament, and as they read for you story after story about how your ancestors, you used to have these great, 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 great grandparents and, and, and aunts and uncles, and a long time ago, your ancestors, and, and they, they had this one God called Yahweh. And he was the one and only God. And, and, and Yahweh loved your ancestors. And, and he would ask them to do certain things or trust them or follow him. And, and they would always say yes, yes, yes. But all they did was no, no, no. They made all these promises and they kept breaking these promises. And so, and so these little Jewish boys and girls, these little children of Israel would grow up in this culture, in this context, and they would have this reinforcing from their ancestors, from their parents, from their grandparents. And they would hear these stories like, like the, one, the one about, the famous one about wandering in the desert with Moses. Remember Moses? Moses was like a superhero. He was like a superman to the Jews, Right? And, and, but, but we wandered in the, in the wilderness with Moses. Or, or how about that time, oh, this is kind of embarrassing, where, where Moses came down with like the Ten Commandments. And actually, he came down with two copies. He had to do it twice. Why? Because one time he came down, and what were the people doing? The people were committing idolatry. They were worshiping a golden calf that they had made because God was taking too long. And so God got, Moses got so mad, he threw those, the Ten Commandments down, and then he broke them, okay? And then he got he had to go back and get another pair, right? Remember that? That was kind of embarrassing, right? Or the thousands and thousands of times where Israel, the vine, was unproductive, was unfruitful, kept breaking promises, even though God was so faithful, right? That's the understanding that they all had. And so what Jesus is saying is, hey, hey, listen, listen. Well, you know, everything that the children of God, Israel, the vine, everything that they did wrong back then, I'm here to do right. And every way uh, that they disobeyed, I'm here to obey. And in every way that they were unfruitful, guess what? I am fruitful. And so Jesus' point is this. Therefore, you need to stay connected to me. Because you've tried it your way for so long, and it didn't work. And now I'm stepping in as the true vine, and you need to stay connected to me. That is what Jesus is saying in verse 1. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Anyone here, a quick question, anyone here have a green thumb? Raise your hand if you love plants. You're a horticulturist, okay? Raise your hand. Okay, we got one guy back there. That's funny. In the first service, we had a bunch of women here, but one man back there. Anyone else? Anyone else? Horticulture of green thumb? Okay. Another guy, Jeffrey, really? I just, I don't even, I don't believe it. Anyways. This is great. So we have two guys, uh, uh, and this is great because that means the rest of you are exactly like me. I kill plants. I don't know why. I just, I just, in fact, you give me a plant and it just wilts. I just, I, I, don't, I don't know why that is. I, I give it sunshine. I water it. Sometimes I drown it. But anyways, uh, I, so I don't even bother. I don't even bother with plants anymore. I just, I can't. I'm so frustrated. I, I, either, I either leave it out in the sun too long or I just, whatever, okay? So I don't even bother anymore. And uh, I just want to share with you this, this quick, well, here's the deal, okay? I just, I'm going to share something with you, but I, I need you to promise that you won't judge me. So everyone just nod your head if you promise not to judge me. Just go ahead, nod your head. Just indulge me. Okay, nod your head. You're not nodding your head. You're not, okay, don't judge me, okay? Don't judge. I'm going to show you a picture 
of like my backyard. It's not it's, like by backyard, I mean I have a space like a concrete patio like this big, okay? But I'm going to show you a picture of my, and now don't judge me, okay? Don't judge me. Let's see this picture of my backyard here. Oh my gosh, so beautiful, right? Oh, look at that vibrant color and these lush vines that are so fruitful, right? So amazing. Just leave that up there for a second there. Uh, I have a question. This is a picture of my backyard um, just a, actually a few months ago. and not, 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 It wasn't yesterday, but a few months. Anyways, um, uh, question. Do you, does anyone, do you see my hammock out there? I have a hammock. Do you? No, you don't see. Uh, how about, how about uh, there's a surfboard in that picture. There's also, I have three girls. They all play softball. There's like a pitching tent, uh, uh, tent or a net, net and a, and a softball. There. You guys, anyone, kind of hard to see. You can kind of see a little bit of it. Well, yeah. Well, you know why you can't clearly see those things in my backyard? It's because we have the world's worst gardener. That's why you can't see these things in my backyard, okay? We have the world's worst gardener. I told you, I don't have a green thumb. Everything I touch dies, okay? So it, here's the thing. I just, I just completely neglect it. I have like these little vines that are crawling up the wall on, on, in my backyard, and, and I just completely neglected them. Right? I, I didn't touch them. I didn't even look at them. Right, And they kept on growing and growing. And they literally overtook my backyard to the point that my wife, sweet, my just, Erica, so, I love you. Um, she, she ve she's very patient. Okay? She's very patient with me. She, she, she gets me. She just, okay, you know. And uh, she's very patient. Did I mention she's patient? Um, she just says to me one morning, she says, not in a judgmental or accusatory way, just very patiently says, oh, you know, Tom, I just, um, I loved it when we used to have a backyard. <laughs> ah, and so anyways, I, I, guys, you know what that means, right? That, that's like your cue, right? Like, so what did I do the next morning? Next morning, I, I went to Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever it was, and I bought all this equipment that I don't even know. Is it a weed whacker? I don't know. Pliers? I don't even know what you call it, okay? I just describe it to the Home Depot guy, and he said, hey, you, you need this stuff. I just bought it. I used it. I returned it. So it just anyways, uh, don't judge me. Don't judge me. I'm telling you my true story here. And so anyways, I, I did that, and, um, and, 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 and lo and behold, hours later, okay, hours later, check this out. I found my patio. Look at this. Boom! Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, clap, clap, you, yeah, thank you, thank you. Look at that. Now go to the one before, okay? Now go to the one now. Okay, now go to the one before. Oh, uh, uh, just, oh yeah, that, okay. L look at this. This, this is, this is the hammock right here, okay? Now go to the one, the after. Okay, see, it's like in the... Uh, it, the hammock didn't move, <laughs> you know? It's just unbelievable, right? It's unbelievable. I found my pad. Crazy, right? And, and check out this before and after. You could just do the, 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 the all at once there, okay? All right? Again, all right, don't judge me. Some of you are judging me right now. I can just see it. I can sense it, okay? Just stop that nonsense, okay? Here's the deal. I already said, okay, I am a terrible, terrible gardener, okay? A total hack job, okay? But here is what a good gardener does. Verse 2. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. 
while every branch that does bear fruit, he what? Prunes. So that it will be even more fruitful. You know, I love this passage. I love this verse. Because for anyone who thinks that once you accept Jesus Christ into your life, once you become a believer, that life automatically becomes pain-free. That somehow if you've paid your dues and gone to church long enough, been a part of enough Bible studies, read enough, had enough devotions, if you somehow think, if you're somehow under the impression that life is now going to be smooth sailing forever and ever, amen. No, no, no. This passage reminds everyone here, Jesus is saying, well, actually, no, it doesn't work that way. That's not how it works. In fact, Jesus says, don't miss this. Jesus actually says, mm, not only does it not work that way, but everyone gets cut. Everyone gets cut. Not in like a crazy, like, I'm going to cut you sort of way. Not like that crazy, you know, like, like mad ex-girlfriend kind of a way. Not that way, okay? Uh, that was too personal. But anyways, <laughs> But understand, okay, understand, God actually does intend to remove every single part of your life that doesn't honor him. Did you know that? That's God's intention. That's God's heart. A fancy term for it is the doctrine of sanctification. It means becoming more and more holy. Okay, you're saved, great. But now that you're saved, the reason why he keeps you on earth is, well, he gives you purpose, but he also wants to sanctify you, set you more and more and more apart for him, right? And, and so, and so what, what you and I need to understand is that God intends to actually remove every part of your life that is not fruitful. And the parts which are fruitful, what does God intend to do? He intends to prune them. Which, by the way, if you think about pruning, what is pruning? It's just another form of cutting. It's more detailed. It's not a hack job. You're not taking a machete. It's more like a surgeon's cut, precise, meticulous. But it's a cut nonetheless. That's what pruning is. So he wants to cut out the things that don't honor him in your life. And he also wants to cut in a more detailed way or prune or go to surgery on the areas of your life that already are fruitful, but for the purpose of making them even more fruitful. See, some of you here, in a room this big with this many people, it, it just I go, I, go with the, I go with the metrics, I go with the statistics. There has to be people in here that are feeling like you walked into this place this morning and you're like, man, I'm, life sucks right now. I feel cut all over the place. I feel cut relationally. I feel cut physically or in terms of my health. I feel cut financially. God, like, don't you see? Like, what's going on? I'm in so much pain. I have all these cuts all over me. Don't you see what's happening here? Right? God, do you even care? But here's the thing. Today's passage, today's word from God is encouraging you. It's encouraging, it's challenging all of us to think 
a new thought. You see, what if the pain that you brought into church this morning, what if that pain is not about punishment, but what if it's about pruning? What if the pain that you temporarily feel right now is producing a purpose in your life that is everlasting? How about this new thought? What if this passage wasn't about judgment, but about joy? What if this passage was actually about joy? Wouldn't that be different? Because, oh, by the way, this passage is about joy. As a matter of fact, Jesus calls it out. If you skip with me down a few verses to verse 11, check this out. Jesus, this is Jesus' words, not mine. Don't trust me. Don't trust my interpretation. But you should trust Jesus' own interpretation about his own words. Yeah? Right? Like, you don't have to trust any pastor's interpretation. But if Jesus interprets what he's saying, you should trust that. And here's what Jesus interprets about what he says. In verse 11, he says this, I have told you this. Why? Why did Jesus tell? Jesus, why are you telling me all this vine stuff? I've told you this. Why? So that my what? Judgment? Is that another word for judgment? It must be in the Greek. It must be judgment. No. Jesus says, I've told you. I'm telling you this right now. Listen to what I'm saying. Because what I'm saying, I'm telling you this. So that my joy, my joy, Jesus has a lot of joy. If there's one person that, that, that has every right to have a lot of joy, it's Jesus. Jesus has a lot of joy, and guess what? He wants to give it to you. I'm telling you this right now so that my joy, not my judgment, my joy may be in you. Not my judgment upon you. My joy may be in you. And why else am I telling you this? So that your what? Your joy may be complete. Friends, do you understand that Jesus knows that your joy is incomplete? Do you know that? Do you understand that Jesus knows you want more joy in your life? That's not a bad thing. You don't have to feel guilty about that. You do not have to feel guilty about that. I, I, listen, I want more joy than anyone else I know. I don't feel guilty about that. I don't always feel it. But I always want more joy in my life. And Jesus knows that. Not only does Jesus know that, but he wants to fulfill that. He wants to give you his joy. It doesn't say judgment. And in the original Greek, it doesn't say judgment either. It's joy. Joy is joy. And Jesus says, I'm going to tell you all this stuff I'm telling you right now is so that my joy would be in you. And when that happens, your joy is complete. See, I see some of you guys writing down notes, and that's great. And today's message, you know, sometimes I give outlines, sometimes I give multiple points, blah, blah, blah. Today's message is going to have one point at the very end. So if you want to fall asleep, you fall asleep now. That's okay. I won't be offended. I might be a little offended, but I, I just, okay. But I see some of you jotting notes down right now, and that's great. And if you want to jot down notes, then if you have to, if you're just like, ah, you're like a nerd, and you have to write down notes, then you can, you can write this down, okay? This passage is about joy, not judgment. Write that down. This passage is about joy, not judgment. And see, as you're writing that down, I just want to share with you, I don't know about you, but that's not the way that I grew up. I've been going to church since I was, before I was born in my mother's womb, okay? 
I'm an EK, elder's kid, okay? When, the, when our church split because of different reasons, right, we would have church service in my house, and, and, and my dad would be the preacher, okay? And, and so, so that, that's my background. And, and, and with that background in mind, I don't know about you, but, but every time I came across this passage, that, that this is just not what I was taught as a kid, See, I grew up in Sunday school and at church and, and going like, you know, to all these different churches and blah, blah, blah. I grew up thinking that this passage was punitive. Right? Does that make sense? It was, it was it, it, punitive. It, 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 it was a correction. It was a rebuke. Right? Like, you, you better remain in Jesus. You don't remain in Jesus. You're going to remain in hell. You better shape up. You better do better, you better act better, you better look better, you better think better. Again, you better remain in Jesus or you're going to remain in hell. That's, that's like, that's what I was taught, right? But that's not what's going on here. That's actually not what is going on here. Look with me at the next few verses here. Verse 3. I mean, this is amazing, right? I was taught that way, and I thought that I was always unclean. I thought that I was always dirty, right? Because there's always, like, sin in our lives. None of us are perfect, right? And I always thought I was always dirty. But verse 3 says, Jesus says, not, not someone's interpretation, but Jesus says to this crowd, in this context, he says what? You are dirty. No, he doesn't say that. You're dirty, so you better shape up. You're dirty, so you better clean yourself. No, no, no. What does Jesus says? You are already what? One more time, church. You are already? Turn to your neighbor and say, you are clean. You are already clean. Why? Because of your good works? You're clean because you gave a tithe? You're clean because you came to church today? No. You're not clean by your own merit. You're not clean because you bathed yourself with spiritual soap. No, no, no. Jesus says, you are already, you're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. His word washes you clean. If you receive his word, it washes you clean. You are already clean. Hey, disciples of mine, disciples of mine that have been following me for three years, Hey, let me tell you something. You need to abide in me. I'm the true vine, by the way. We, we, God, God is the gardener, okay? You need to abide in me. Stay with me. That means stick with me. And oh, by the way, you're already clean because of these words I'm speaking to you right now. And so your only job is to, verse 4, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. See, the Greek word, the original Greek word used there is meno, and it appears 11 times in that chapter. The word remain, the, the original Greek word, is it appears 11 times in chapter 15. It appears 40 times in the entire, entire gospel of John. Okay, so John, the Apostle John, he loves the word remain. He loves the Greek word may know, okay? He uses it more than anyone else, okay? Forty times it appears in the Gospels, and here's the thing. Um, it's kind of a big deal. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a narrative. It's a theme that, that he uses over and get over again. And so, again, what, what, what does remain mean? Well, actually, it has three different nuances, 
The word remain has, and if you're taking notes, you might want to jot this down as well. It has three different nuances, and at any given time throughout the Gospel of John, it can be any one, sometimes it's a combination of one of these three. Okay? So here's, here's the first nuance of the word remain. The first nuance is uh, when meno means to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He uses this, I think we have the cross-references there in, in John chapter 6. Okay, so if you look up those verses, you'll see the word remain, and you'll, you'll, you can tell by context that, oh, the type of remain that he's using there, the type of may know that he's using there is the word to accept. The second nuanced uh, version of it is to continue believing or to hold on to the faith. And there's a bunch of places where John uses it that way, right? And again, you can tell this based on context. All it takes is a little bit of uh, just reading and, and concentrating and focusing on, on what is the context here. And the third and last thing is to lovingly obey from like this place of faith, this place of trust. Okay? So anytime, uh, any, any of the 40 times John uses the word remain, may know, in his gospel... It falls into one of those three categories at the very least, one of those buckets, okay? And you can just tell based on context. And so basically what Jesus is saying here and now in this verse is this. He's saying this. If you accept me, if you hold on to me, if you trust me to the point of obedience, you're already clean. You don't need a spiritual makeover. You don't need to renovate everything. You don't need to, oh, by the way, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and we went through that last week. You're already clean. All you need to do is just remain in me, and you're going to bear fruit. If you remain in me, you will bear fruit. What does bearing fruit mean? Well, it's, it's reflecting the, the spirit of God, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Right? Your, your life is going to demonstrate more of God's fruit in your life. Raise your hand if you could use more love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithful control, and self-control in your life. Yeah. And if you want that, if you want more of that, more of that fruit, you remain in him. See, some of you need to hear this morning, right now, you need to hear, you already are clean. Because of the word spoken to you, because of the word accepted, God's word accepted into your heart, you already are clean. You just need to remain in him. And you will bear much fruit. He continues, I am the vine, verse 5 says. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can only do a little bit. No, actually, it doesn't say that. Well, apart from me, you can do a whole lot because you have so much experience in life and I've really gifted you. No, it doesn't say that either. Jesus says, you got to remain in me. My words have to remain in you. I'm the vine, you're the branches, God's the gardener. And oh, by the way, <laughs> apart from me, you can do what? One more time. Apart from Jesus, separated from Jesus, you can do what? Nothing. Not even a little bit. Not even an adequate amount. Not even a fair amount. Not even a poor. You can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch. And by the way, you, you, you're like, I don't believe that because I'm so productive and blah, blah. You might think that you're productive. You might think that what you do amounts to something, 
But at the end of the day, think about it. It's nothing. It's nothing apart from Jesus. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. This is unbelievable. Ask whatever you wish. And it will be given you. Why? Why, 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 would, he, why would he set up that kind of system? Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Why does he do this? Why does he allow this? Because this is to my Father's glory, the gardener's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. When you have a vineyard, when you have a garden that is fruitful and healthy and verdant and vibrant, who does the credit go to? It goes to the gardener. Jesus is saying, if you remain in me, my words remain in you, you stay connected to me, I stay connected to you, you're going to bear a lot of fruit. You bear a lot of fruit, you ask whatever you wish, God's going to want to give it to you, he's going to want to give it to you, he's going to want to give it to you. Why? Because you're going to bear more fruit with it, you're going to bear more and more and more and more fruit with it. And you bear more fruit, guess what? We all win. You're bearing fruit. Others see the fruit. The gardener gets the credit. Everyone's happy. You don't remain in me. Nothing. You know, this Thursday, I went to that vineyard in my backyard. And uh, <laughs> I cut off this branch from the vine. Okay? Uh, that was Thursday. That was a couple days ago, right? A few days ago. And um, at the time, when I cut this branch from the vine, uh, this was, again, I'm no horticulturist, okay? Don't email me. It's okay. Uh, I, I'm not professing to be a professional. Uh, but this, this branch, right, at the time, from my untrained eye, it was the healthiest, most vibrant. It was the longest, strongest branch on my vine. It literally was. You can't tell right now, but this tip right here was bright red. It was blooming. It was bright red, and it was green. It almost looked glossy, right? A few days later, what good is it now that it is no longer connected to the vine? What was once the most healthy and I'll call it fruitful branch is now no longer connected to the vine. What good is it now? Verse 9 says, and this is amazing. I mean, you can just, you don't have to be a Greek scholar. Just count them how many times the word love or loved is used. Count how many times the word joy is used in this next closing passage here. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. The way that God the Father loves me, the true vine, that's how I love you. So just remain in my love. Just, just remain in it. Why do you try to go all over it? Just, just remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. How do I remain in your life? I keep your commands. I obey you. 
just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. And then verse 11, you're already a pro at this. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, not my judgment. I'm not telling you this so that my judgment is upon you and now you're held accountable. No, no, no. I'm telling you this because I love you so much and I know how much joy is lacking in your life. I'm telling you this so that my joy would be in you and your joy would be complete. So don't allow the father of lies and the accuser to flip what Jesus says and make it punitive. Don't allow him to flip what Jesus says and make it a judgment when Jesus is saying this for the completion of your joy. Friends, as I shared before, you know, some weeks I give points, other weeks I give outlines. I think last week I gave a chart. Today, it's just one big idea. Is that okay with you? Is that all right? Will you feel gypped if I just give you one big idea? Here's the one big idea. Go ahead and jot this down. If you fall asleep, now's the time to wake up. Wake up, your friend. Okay? Here's the one big idea. Big idea is this. You and I, we are called to live in, in God's love. Not for it. Not for it. You are called to live in God's love, not for it. There's there's a night and day distinction between that. You are called to live in God's love, to abide in God's love, not for it. See, I don't know about you, but I grew up, and I'm not blaming my parents on this. My parents and I, we have a great relationship. In fact, they're, they're coming tom- uh, tomorrow, April 1st. They're coming tomorrow, so we're going to spend a month together. It's going to be great. I'll bring them here. Don't tell them any bad stories about me next week, okay? Just, just between us, okay? Anyways, but growing up, you know what I did? I, this was no fault of their own. This was like me. I don't know, something about my brokenness, something about my personality. But I was always trying to live for their love. Does that make sense? I was trying to live for their approval. I was trying to live for their happiness, their pride, that they would be proud of me, that they would, they would acknowledge me, that they would see me, that they would understand me, that they would love me, that they would approve of me. I was always trying to live for it rather than, rather than having the maturity and sensibility to know that, dang it, they love me. They love me. And yeah, I may do a lot of stupid things and I may get punished or whatever, but they love me. And now, now as a father, as like I'm approaching middle age, right? I got a teen and a two tweens, right? Pray for me. They're all girls. Pray for me. Okay? It's not a joke. Pray for me right now. Pray for me. No, I just, I, I, now as a father of these three kids, I'm like, you know, sometimes they do dumb things and things that I'm just like, wow, are you serious? Like, but like, I love them, right? I love them. There's, there's nothing they can do to make me love them more. There's nothing they can do to make me love them less. They don't have to do anything for my love. They already have it. They already have it. So rather, I want them to live in my love. I want them to think and see the world and relate to one another and to others knowing that they are loved, not looking for love in different places, but knowing that their earthly dad loves them and their heavenly father loves them even better. I want them to live in that love. And that's what God wants for you too. That's what this whole passage is about. Live in his love, not for it. You couldn't earn it anyway. 
That's why Jesus said he's the true vine. Israel, who was the vine before, tried living for it. And for hundreds, yea, even thousands of years, they could not do it. What makes you think that you could do it any better? You can't. And the good news is you don't have to. You don't have to live for his love. You already have it. So just live in it. Amen? Throughout this series, we've intentionally been creating time and space to respond to the revelation that you've heard, and today is no different. So I'm going to pray, and then our band is going to lead us in a couple songs, and as they do, I'm going to ask that that uh, guiding principle, that one big idea, just keep it up there on, on that slide. Yep. Just keep it up there for a little bit and help us to marinate in that truth. Can we all, can we all just marinate in this truth? for a few minutes before we go out into the world and just get all like discombobulated again and have to, you know, return emails and close sales and do all this craziness. Like, let's, just, let's just for like a few minutes just marinate in this truth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, <laughs> I'm all uh, sweaty and hot and bothered, Lord. Uh, but I... I can't help myself, God. I just... I just pray that somehow by the power of your Holy Spirit, even like this breeze that we feel right now, I pray that you would sweep through our hearts right now. Reprogram our way of thinking. Many of us are trapped in this subconscious mentality that we have to earn our standing before you. Maybe we know cerebrally, maybe we even know theologically that that's not true, but operationally and practically we live in a way that we, oh gosh, I, I, I had a bad week, I didn't do my quiet times, I, 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 I sinned, I, I whatever. And because of that I've lost favor. I've lost his blessing, and God, that's just not true. That's the mentality where we're living for your love instead of in it. So right now, Father, I pray by the power of your word, by the presence of the Holy Spirit, your word in us as it washes us, as it cleans us of our dirty thinking, I pray that your, your word would wash over us and show us anew we don't have to live for your love, that we are just called to live in it, to abide in you. We can't produce the fruit on our own. It's only when we are intimately connected with you that fruit happens. I pray that would be true for every man, woman, and child in this tent, those listening and watching online. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you were inspired by this message, we hope you'll share it with a friend and subscribe to our podcast. Or best of all, come visit us in person at our LA campus. For directions, service times, and more info, 
check out newstorychurch.com. Thanks again and see you soon.